Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. It's time for our weekly visit with the great Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern's Central DuPage Hospital. Dr. Most, my friend, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dean. I'm doing great. Good to have you on with us here. Before we, I want to get into a few different health topics this morning, but uh, I, I just want to occasionally touch back in on uh, what's going on with COVID, where we are with this. I was a little bit concerned when I heard that there was an investigation going on regarding uh, 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 safety concerns regarding the COVID vaccine uh, that were being investigated. Uh, a safety monitoring system last November uh, picked up a signal that the updated Pfizer covid vaccine was possibly linked to an increased risk of strokes in people above the age of 65 and it has has since found that uh, that is not the case that the risk is extremely low if not uh, non-existent but these kinds of things apparently are are just going on all the time Uh, the uh, testing of the vaccines and monitoring systems to make sure that uh, what it is that people still should be taking uh, are are completely safe, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's interesting. Think about all the vaccines that we get and we give to children. In when the new vaccine comes out, we want to know: Did you have any side effects? Because when you test a vaccine on fifty thousand people, it's totally different than giving it to hundreds of millions. So certainly, we knew some of the side effects, and, and we're tracking those. But then put in the monitoring program so that actually, when you got your COVID vaccine your first vaccine you should have been given a piece of paper that says here is how you can report any symptoms that you uh, might have any side effects that you might have and again it's just to gather the numbers in big numbers so that we can continue to make sure that what we're giving is safe so safe and effective so yeah so uh, good good to know that that investigation turned up uh, nothing essentially uh where are we right now with covid uh uh, uh, testing and people testing positive. You know, there was a, such a great fear that uh, there would be another big upheaval uh, as we were, you know, going inside during the cold weather. Are, are we actually seeing that happen? Well, we're seeing a little bump, but not too big of a bump. Now, that being said, we are expecting here in the next couple of weeks in the Midwest to see an increase that XBB strain, and again, the nice thing about it is we, we, don't have a, we don't have a new Greek letter for it, right? We're not using Zeta or Tau or anything. So these are still falling under that same Omicron. And the reason that that is really good is because we know then that the vaccine will continue to work and that some of the medications will continue to work. But the XBB we're finding out right now is much more contagious than any of the other strains, so we expect it to really spread quickly. That being said, it is not as virulent. So we're not seeing hospitalizations go up, but we're certainly seeing more people infected with it, especially on the East Coast, but really expected to be here in the Midwest within the next couple of weeks. Uh, A texter from 773 said, is the monkeypox threat an outbreak? Is that over with? How about it? You know, that was a lot of news and a lot of hype and a lot of activity around that and knowing that we were short on vaccines and needing to make sure we got the vaccines in the right people's hands. It has. It's kind of fallen off a cliff. 
which is good. And I think that that is as much awareness. So individuals who were um, had a, a possibility of getting that either got vaccinated or were well aware of it and just the public's awareness of it. So uh, we really have not seen much at all of monkeypox, and it has really dropped dramatically, uh, much quicker than we all thought it would. Yeah, to what do you think we attribute that? Was it just the awareness and people went and got uh, vaccines for it, or just it uh, just you know naturally died out? Yeah, I think it's a combination of that. Again, monkeypox was not a virus that you're going to walk down the street and walk by somebody, you know, like you could with COVID or influenza. You had to have direct, you know, skin-to-skin contact for this to spread. So certainly the uh, ability for it to spread is a lot different than it is the respiratory viruses. But I think there was such a great push for here's the awareness, here's the symptoms, here's how you can get vaccinated. I think just that that worked so well uh, in this case. Uh, We're going to get to some phone calls for uh, Dr. Most in a minute. If you want to get on the line or get a text in 312-981-7200-312-981-7200. I guess the big uh, medical story of the week was Lisa Murray Presley uh, dying apparently of cardiac arrest. Uh, They still haven't given an official cause of death. But paramedics in that area of California where she lived, I think it was Calabasas, uh, reported to a call, uh, a a cardiac arrest call. Uh, They didn't identify her, but they did say it was a woman in her 50s. All the indications seemed to be that it was her and that it was cardiac arrest. But again, no official uh, cause of death. Uh, is, Is this, you know, similar to what we saw uh, with uh, the NBA player DeMar the week before of suffering cardiac arrest, uh, one one turning out positive yeah. and one not so much? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, the DeMar Hamlin NFL story where he was hit and, you know, it caused a change in his electrical activity of his heart. Um, certainly with um, a, a woman in their 50s, could that happen where the heart could go into fibrillation? Absolutely. Uh, but I think probably one of the bigger things we need to understand here is to make sure that women understand that their symptoms are not the classic symptoms that men often have for heart disease. Someone sitting on my chest, chest pressure. Women can often have stomach pain. They can have back pain. They can just feel nauseated or fatigued. So really, I think that not knowing the whole story with, um, with Ms. Presley and really the cause of death, but certainly a reminder for all of us one, for females to know what the symptoms are. And two, again, just a reassurance that everybody knows that they should know where the closest AED is if they're at a work or a public facility. And two, take the time to take the CPR course, which takes, you know, an hour um, to know how to do CPR the right way. And those are the ones that are going to make the difference. Look yeah. at DeMar. He got CPR within a minute. Look at the outcome that he's had. I mean, he was He's back with the team yesterday for a short period of time. Yeah. It would not surprise me if he's on the sidelines today. That is, uh, it, it's truly a, a miraculous story given everything that we saw. In the case of Lisa Marie, though, I mean, she was out and about, uh, you know, prior to her death. She was at the Golden Globe Awards on Tuesday night and, um, you know, talking on, on the red carpet. Now, admittedly, people, people who interviewed her that day said that they. They felt like something was off, that she didn't seem uh, herself, 
that she 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 looked different, she acted different. Are those some of the characteristics where uh, someone might say that there are some red flags going on? 100%. 100%. You know, was she fatigued? Did she just have this kind of sense of, I'm not really feeling well? Like I said, some of the symptoms are as simple as nausea and fatigue. That can make someone look like they're off a little bit. Um, and again, she didn't have a lot of family history, right? Her father obviously died at a very young age, but there's not like a lot of genealogy that she can look back and say, oh, I should be uh, concerned about heart disease in my family. So certainly, you know, a, a red flag and something that we all should watch. And again, an arrest at home versus an arrest where there's a paramedic and, a, and an athletic trainer, you know, 100 feet away is totally different. And the outcomes obviously are totally different as well. Yeah, her, uh, Lisa Marie's father, Elvis, died at a much younger age of 42, also of cardiac arrest. Uh, but, you know, his cardiac arrest, uh, they believe, was caused because of an overuse of drugs. Is that something which could also bring on uh, cardiac arrest? Oh, absolutely. You know, we know that both types of drugs can cause this, right? You know, that the stimulant drugs can get the heart rate up to a point where the heart isn't pumping well, so the heart rate is really high. The pump is ineffective. And then we also know that depressants and pain medications can slow down breathing to a point where the, the heart is not getting enough oxygen. That's why people that have overdoses, let's say, with whether it's fentanyl or any of the opioids, are given Narcan right away because we can, turn, we can reverse that. So someone with a healthy heart who has taken an overdose but is given Narcan soon enough can reverse that and can get them back to their breathing and their heart pumping, pumping again. Um, and I'm certain that in any of these situations, that's one of the first things that the paramedics are going to do when they come across a body or across an individual who's not breathing is in the back of their mind, they're thinking the opioid problem that we have, let's try Narcan first. So certainly um, I would imagine that that was done with Lisa Marie as well as starting CPR, you know, in the home prior to uh, transporting to the hospital. The, um, uh, does depression uh, play into uh, the chance of uh, cardiac arrest? Lisa Marie's son just two years ago committed suicide. Uh, and, you know, anybody, whether it's suicide or not, anyone who's lost a child knows how debilitatingly sad that is. And how a lifelong depression, uh, clinical depression, uh, could set in as a result of that stunning and incomprehensible loss. It, is there a physiological uh, response that the body has to that much sadness, depression? Oh, absolutely. You know, you've probably heard of things, uh, something called the broken heart syndrome. You know, it's something where an individual has a trigger because of a sudden loss or because of, of uh, a, a deep depression, you know, due to a life lo- or a, a life uh, changing experience, and actually the heart starts to fail. So it's very fascinating when we look at it because it's like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Their arteries are fine, everything is fine, but we do know that that there's such a thing as a broken heart syndrome. Individuals who had a good heart. Now, because of profound sadness and, and uh, depression, their heart starts to fail. It's uh, 
you know, often after really a stressful or emotional event. And we're still trying to figure out how to do it and how to identify it because it appears that it causes the heart to thicken. So we get a cardiomyopathy and then the heart, the pump doesn't, the heart doesn't pump as well. And next thing you know, you're going down a course of heart failure. So, um, it's one of those ones in medicine we always like to have a reason. We always like to be able to figure it out. And this is one that sometimes we can't. Sometimes it only lasts a short period of time, and then the, the heart rallies and comes back to a normal yeah. function. So it's fascinating. Uh, also, also, how hereditary is heart disease? Uh, Elvis uh, died of uh, heart uh, problems. Elvis's mother died of uh, heart disease at age 46. So, I mean, there's there's a history in that family of heart disease at a fairly young age. Is that common? Yes. You know, unfortunately, it is. And I'll tell you, just in, in my family alone, my father died in his early 60s um, from a heart attack. My older brother had a heart attack at the age of 47. So, I mean, we certainly know that our family history for cardiac disease is there, and that's not uncommon. There's familial hypercholesterolemia, which means you'll find that many people in the same family have an elevated cholesterol rate or cholesterol level, so certainly need to have uh, be on treatment for that. We know that hypertension and other heart illnesses can have a genetic predisposition to it, so certainly anybody who's had a parent who has, uh, has had a cardiac event should be at their doctor, should be knowing what their blood pressure is, what is their blood sugar, because pre-diabetic can cause more heart illness, as well as knowing what your blood pressure is and knowing what your cholesterol level is. Two things that are very important in heart disease. All right. So, uh, you know, this uh, while a very sad story of the passing of Lisa Murray Presley, uh, you know, information that, that's out there as a result of all of this, may be of benefit to you, uh, li- you know, who are listening to all of this information in the meantime. Some uh, calls and texts for Dr. Kevin Most, 312-981-7200. The uh, 407 area code says, this time of year people talk about cabin fever. Is it a real thing from a medical perspective? Yes. I mean, cabin fever is also looked at along with seasonal affective disorder. So, one, we're not getting as much sunlight. So, certainly, individuals who need that sunlight to um, keep their energy up and to to do that. So, we know that there's a depression that happens due to not having enough sunlight. And the cabin fever is the exact same. You're decreasing your socialization. You're not out as much. You're not interacting. So, mental health, mental health at this time of the year is very, very key. So not only the anxiety and stress from cabin fever, but the depression from seasonal affective disorder certainly affects more people in the winter than it does in the summer. Not getting outside for the fresh air, the exercise, and the socialization really starts to impact people at about a month. And really, that's about where we're at. And really, we try to tell people, get out. The days like today where it's not snowing, it's not raining, it's a little bit cold, still get out, take a walk, get some fresh air, interact with people. Uh, because cabin fever is is a actual mental illness. Yeah, uh, the, I know. For a while, they were selling uh, these little lights that you could buy. To me, they just looked like little lamps. 
but they were marketing them, you know, for seasonal affected disorder on the days like we've had over the past week or so that were so dreary that you turn this lamp on and it causes brightness. Uh, Is that a a real thing? I mean, could I just turn a lamp on in in my house, turn the lights on in my house and get the same thing? (laughs) No, it's not so much. There's more science behind it than you would think. You would say, oh. It really doesn't make a difference because we all have lights in our home. But really, it is the intensity of the light and the duration of how long you're exposed to the light. So if you look or you talk to your doctor, uh, there's you, you can just Google seasonal affective disorder lamps, and it's the proper light and the proper uh, tone of light uh, to help deliver the, the, the light that you need to take care of that side of it from your brain's point of view. Um, and it's certainly... It is not just a winter doldrums. This is actually a medical condition that can be treated. And really, uh, if you notice people that in the winter they get the doldrums and they get down a little bit, it's not a bad idea to say, have you talked to your doctor about Mm. seasonal affective disorder? Mm. And it's worth it, and it's worth the treatment. I know that I I am very affected by that on those dreary days. I just feel lethargic and don't want to do anything and... You know, I, I I do go home and turn all the lights on. It 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 makes me feel brighter for some reason. I don't know. Uh, I, well, yeah, and, and, and you you get active. You start to do things. I yeah. say the other big thing I really like to remind people about in the winter is make sure you're taking your vitamin D supplement because yeah. you're not getting enough sunlight, not only for your mental health but also for your bone health and, and immune health. Yeah, I I started doing that about six months ago. I I, I don't know if it's making a difference or not. But I, I, I am at least trying. Uh, the eight, 847 area code says, ask Dr. Most about uh, vaccine spike proteins creating plaque in the body. Does that sound right to you? No. And, you know, I'm not sure what she, she's saying. If it's the COVID vaccine with the spike protein that we're, at, we're looking for, um, Certainly, there was concern, is this causing problems in, in, in young kids, you know, with heart issues? Um, but I'm, I, if she's talking about the COVID vaccine, really, we have vetted that out over, just like we were talking about at the beginning, to see, is there any side effect profile that could cause heart illness or could cause, and we found no. Matter of fact, COVID can cause more heart disease than, um, uh, than the vaccine. Here's another, uh, a similar, I guess, that says, I was fully vaccinated, had COVID in December, and suffered a blood clot in my eye. My doctor said it would disappear. My vision is perfect. I use the drugs, uh, drug uh, Paxlovid, and they say that it caused my blood pressure to spike. To, is that something common with Paxlovid? Well, Paxlovid, we always want to make sure that, that, that your doctor is well aware of what the side effects could be. Now, some um, people have reported increases in blood pressure, but not to a point where we're going to tell somebody who has high blood pressure to not take it. Interesting, it would be interesting to know if this individual had high blood pressure to begin with. Now, the blood clot, we certainly knew that um, COVID, unfortunately, can cause some blood clots. We know many people who had blood clots post-COVID infections. Great that it resolved on its own. Sometimes people will be put on aspirin to make sure it slows down. And depending on how big that clot is, uh, sometimes we use other medications to dissolve that clot. Um, But often blood clots in the eyes will resolve on their own 
And it's not so much that the blood clot resolves, but often it's um, new regeneration of blood vessels to support that portion of the eye. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they uh, told me that they had gotten uh, COVID this past December, and they were shocked because they were fully vaccinated. Uh, And they said, well, I I was supposed to have been protected from getting COVID by getting vaccinated. And I explained it. It doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. It lessens the severity of what COVID uh, could do for you. Uh, Here's a uh, uh, text from 312. We got the most recent COVID booster in September. Should we get another booster in six months or does it last longer? I I think people are still confused about some of the basics on this. Absolutely. And it's it's not unusual for people to be confused. And I don't think that we as the medical side have really told everybody the best messaging for this. So if you have gotten the if you've gotten the booster that has BA four and BA five in it, you are covered right now. There's no need for an additional booster. Now, like you said, Dean, we're gonna like I said and you were just speaking about. I just told you we are going to see more cases of COVID here in the next couple of weeks. Why? Because of this XBB strain. Very similar to what we see with influenza. Influenza vaccine covers four different viruses, yet we still see people with influenza. Why? Because we have subvariants, but we're not seeing as many people in hospitals. We're not seeing as many people on ventilators. We're not seeing people dying from this illness. So certainly the vaccine is teaching your immune system what to look for. And as soon as it sees it, starts to attack it and decreases the incidence of it. So how long you're going to have it, how bad you're going to have it, those are the things that the vaccine prevents you from having. This is not like a polio vaccine where we're going to stop polio in its tracks. COVID is going to be with us for a long time, people. I hate to say it, but you're going to start to see more annual vaccines, I believe, for COVID probably starting in the fall. Yeah. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great Sunday, Kev. Thank you. You got it, Dean. Take care. We'll talk soon.